Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. He's a talk of the town, talk of London town, our man Razor Ray, after years of back and forth about when and how he might take over coaching the All Blacks. It seems now more than likely that his foray into Test Rugby will be with another nation. Or will it? His signature will be in hot demand after a successful stint with the Barbarians defeating the All Blacks 15. The dots are starting to be connected to talking, taking over from Eddie Jones with England's post next year's Rugby World Cup. Mike Brown has 72 caps for England. He's a gun. A gun. I must say that. He's an absolute gun fullback for as long as I can remember. He has had the pleasure of working with Razor with the Barbarians in recent weeks and he's been a big fan from what I understand and he's been good enough to join us this morning. G'day, Brownie. How you doing, brother? Hissy, how are you, mate? No, this is uh, great to speak to you. I want to know who's giving you the uh, radio show, mate. This is amazing. <laughs> I know. I can't believe it myself, my friend. We're part of SCNZ down here. We're a sports radio show, and uh, we talk all things sports. So whoever gave me the mic, they're probably regretting it right now. But we're having fun, brother. We're having fun. Tell me. About your last couple of weeks, how much fun was it? How was Razor oh. and the Kiwi lads? Oh, mate, it was. It's, it's got to be up there with one of the uh, best couple of weeks of uh, my rugby career, easily. No, it was. It was brilliant fun, and we got a couple of wins out of it. But um, yeah, the Kiwi boys were brilliant as well. Um, Razor, Razor leading the charge um, with his dancing and his singing, and um, oh. creating a great environment. And then D Mac. Money man D Mac was just uh, <laughs> causing absolute mayhem over in England. That guy's got some serious skills. Wow. Hey Mike. Hey Mike. The um, the relationship you you built up with D Mac over those couple of weeks obviously showed out on the football field. You enjoyed working um, alongside Razor, I guess Ryan Agara, and read some article here that you think that he should have the the job over um, Borthwick up there. Just just tell us what you learnt about. Um, spending some time with Razor and why you think he, he he possibly is a good contender for that English job? Yeah, um, for me to do the Barbarians, was it was a big draw that, that Razor was involved, obviously, um, watching the Crusaders from over here. I um, was a big fan of his and, and what he was doing there. And, um, so I wanted to see it up up, uh, up close and it exceeded my expectations, to be honest. Um, and I think in terms of England, it would be the exactly the person that um that they kind of need i think to to kind of lift that environment and, and get them out of playing with a bit of fear i think is probably the best way to describe it but yeah in terms of him like it, the way he just 
he just is just a, such a good people person. I've, I'm not really experienced it to that level before with with any coaches that I've had. Um, the way he connects with people, the way he understands personalities, the way he just he just makes you feel so comfortable, like you've known him for years. Um, yeah, and just loved every minute of it. Now, from an English perspective, would would the, do you feel most of the players and and the and the personalities would take to Razor and and how he approaches it? Look, I've been coached by him for many years, and for me personally, I loved it. But you could probably get a sense that it's not for everyone. So, do do you feel like it's a good fit for English rugby at the moment? Yeah, I honestly feel like he's the sort of person that kind of. They, they kind of need to 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 make this step up. I just feel like they're playing within themselves. People like Marcus Smith, they're playing one way for their club, and then you kind of see yeah. that mentality and and uh, shift when they're playing. You know, the example on the weekend when he's kicking the ball out um, to take the draw. Yeah. He's, if he's in a Quinn shirt, he's never doing <laughs> yeah. that. The amount of comebacks they've had um, down at Harlequins um, over the last couple of years, they're never kicking the ball out ever. So why he's doing that in an England jersey for me just kind of points to to the environment and maybe they're playing within themselves a bit of fear. Um, they haven't played the best rugby till about 10 minutes of that um, New Zealand game. And they suddenly kind of had to, to, to push, push the, the envelope and, and, and do some stuff. So, yeah, I think, I think he will like, I, and also just speaking to him, he, he seems to have a great awareness of, of, of himself and what, he, what sort of people he would need to, uh, around him to kind of um, fill in the gaps that maybe he's not so good at. So, to have that awareness as, as a person is, is, a, is a massive strength as well. Sorry about that. Hey, um, just doing that, Mike, I'm just thinking about you talking like old versus new, Eddie Jones, where he is at, he's come in, he's been there for a number of years now, and and then you've, you're talking about Razor and how he's connected with the players. Is that is that really where English rugby is at the moment is that probably Eddie Jones doesn't actually understand the players and you can see that there's so much more growth in it with a, with a, a young coach like Razor coming on board? Yeah, I think I think in sport and coaches now, you can't just have the technical and tactical knowledge in the on the field um, detail and, and expertise. I think it's more than that. It's about understanding personalities and getting the best out of people and building that environment that everyone can kind of flourish and develop. I just, I just wonder, you know, through my experience with Eddie and just kind of seeing it from the outside now, and and how much they're kind of playing within themselves, or or I feel they are, that they need someone that that has that other side to them, and you know, just from being, you know, with with Razor for a couple of weeks, he just he just seems to have it, he just gets it. So I just think, man, England just got to go and get someone like that, and you know, his his signature's there for the taking. New Zealand have. For some reason, I can't understand why I haven't gone and got him. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, England, go get him, definitely. You're telling us, Brownie. You're telling us, mate. Everyone <laughs> can't believe it. And, and, and I wrote something to you, so I said, look, he's, he's gone. He's going to go catch England because they generally want him. He's been up in the UK. I'm expecting hospitality. He'll be doing corporate events. He'll be getting a little, uh, little envelope strolling in his pocket left, right and centre. So he'll be loving it. The old peacock that he is up there in the north. Look, um, mate, honestly, <laughs> you, you touched on it. In that 70 minutes, England were playing to the playbook. They threw out the playbook in that last 10 minutes and they absolutely exposed the All Blacks. And that is what 
Razor does. Just lets them play. They have little structures within that they can always go back to, but play what you see. Follow your instincts. Rugby players first. For you, Brownie, where are you at? You've played 350 games for the Harlequins. You're now at Newcastle Falcons, mate. You've, you've still got plenty of juice left in the legs. Yeah, no, mate, I still feel good. So, so I don't have a club currently, um, so I'm not sure how oh, yeah. aware you are of the situation um, in the prem- premiership up here, but basically the salary cap dropped by a million. So for guys like myself that ended um, a contract, um, it's kind of the wrong time. There was no no jobs out there, basically. And then on top of that, um, a quarter way through the season, we had um, Worcester and Wasps um, fold and go into administration. So that added an extra 100-odd players to the market. So... For guys like myself already on the market, wasn't it's it's not great. But you know, look, I, I'm um, working towards my my transition um, out of rugby. Um, so if a playing uh, opportunity comes up that kind of fits into what my family want to do and and where my transition is, then great. If if not, I'll keep working hard towards my transition. And, and if a non-playing uh, opportunity comes up, I'll I'll take that. But it was just good to get out there with the barbarians and and show that the old boy still got a bit. If anyone wants him, <laughs> you still got it, brother. Like that is crazy, and that's the that's the crazy thing about the situation up in the north. Like we've been watching it all unfold down here. And forgive me, I I didn't know that you were part of that whole mess that was kind of going on at the moment. But it, it is it is. Are we going to see more? Are we going to see more of it happening in the UK and? And more teams going through this situation, or was it just poor um, governance from those yeah, mate, clubs? Yeah, mate, I don't, I don't know. To be honest, I think there might be a couple of other clubs that are kind of on the brink. But um, I think, as bad as it is, it's um, going to force the the Premiership mm. um, and the way it's governed and the structures and everything else. You know um, how the owners run their businesses. It's going to force you know this bad situation. Going to force everything to be changed for the better now, um, which is a good thing. It's just it's just a shame that it's come to this. Um, and look for me personally, I've had I've had a, a you know a, a good career and loved every minute of it. And if it continues, then then amazing, and I'm ready to go. But if not. You know, I can't complain, and um, I'm very grateful for for what I've achieved. So it's all good. Hey, Mike Razor will need a kicking coach, mate. So get in his ear if you if you're looking for a contract, um, <laughs> mate. Don't don't you worry. I was already in his ear. If he uh, if he got the England job, I said, mate, get me get me in that environment. I'll come and uh, I'll come and dance and sing with you, mate. <laughs> yeah, work out your work out your moves. He loves a little bit of break dancing. Hey, England, mate. They would have taken some confidence out of that last nine minutes on my uh, on my clock, getting that draw against the All Blacks to play South Africa this weekend. Uh, how do you think they'll go? Yeah, look, it's going to be a different beast, isn't it? We know what the South Africans are like, physical, set-piece, kicking game. Um, I just hope that nine, ten minutes hasn't just papered over some of the cracks in terms of the way they're playing and they actually now push on to um, you know, start games like that, You know, let people like Marcus Smith run the game and, and, and play the way we know he, he, he and the others can and really push the envelope in terms of their attack especially and then get a bit more bite about their attack defence which has kind of been a, a strong point of England rugby or it was when I was involved get back to those strong you know um, basics of England rugby the set piece and the defence to really squeeze teams and you're going to have to do that against South Africa because like I said that's where where their strengths are um, so it could be a big old physical battle um, but it'll be a long day if they don't start the way they finished against the All Blacks 
and then you run them wild, mate. You get them on the edges like you did, and you run those big <laughs> feet, uh, those big men off their feet because they can't keep up, Brownie. Quickly, just quickly, you're on the ground there. Have you seen anything? Do you know anything? Has any pen been put to paper? What with big the scouts out there? It's so locked away. Yeah. That contract in a safe at Twickenham. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, he wouldn't. He wouldn't tell me. Um, no, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it'd be uh, if, if I was AR few, I'd be on his phone every single day until he did sign it. In fact, I wouldn't even let him on the in, on the plane until he signed it. <laughs> I wouldn't let him on the plane. Uh, but we'll see. He's got to be. In, he's got to be sought after, isn't he? But um, I have to Ooh. give a shout out to D Mac as well. If I was yeah. clubs, you know, in England and France, I'd be all over him like a rash as well, and wouldn't be letting him get on the plane. Um, until he signed that mega deal, which you know uh, the the money man Mac uh, should should deserve because you know he's some player. Jesus, he was uh, he was class over here. Was he good on the field? Obviously, we saw on the field. With how was he off the field? Good. Yeah, he was good. He was he was he, he was he was, uh, he's, yeah he was he was good in his own ways. You know, he's quiet, quite reserved lad. Um, and and the other couple of Kiwis were uh, Levi and AJ Lamb, but. Um, yeah, you know they they were still yeah good fun in their own right, but geez, there's a trio of good players there. Yeah, mate, we're, we're so proud. Of, yeah, we love. Yeah, we're we're pretty crazy. We got some talent down under here, and Dmax one of those. It'd be interesting to see if he can force his way into that All Blacks team. And I train with uh, Jane Robertson, and I seen her yesterday. I might have to get in her ear and see what's going on, Brownie, mate. We appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much, and uh, no doubt, no problem. Whatever you do next, you'll do it with flying colours because you're an absolute champion. you still got game too, mate, so get out there. Keep going. Hold it down <laughs> Cheers, for us old farts. <laughs> I appreciate it, mate. You're a legend. Appreciate it. Awesome. Cheers, Mike. I love it. And this weekend, professional baseball, it returns to our country, Aotearoa, as the Auckland Tuatara make their way to North Shore Stadium. North Harbour Stadium, that is. The season has started well for the Auckland side. They beat Canberra in a crucial series win on the road. How good. Here's yeah, some good batting in that game as well. Now it's their turn to play at home, and we couldn't be more excited to welcome them back. Jason Matthews, he's a Kiwi infield for, infielder for the Tuatara, who has played in the minor leagues with the Chicago White Sox. How good's that? And he's on the line with us right now. Morena, Jason, how are you, mate? Morning, guys. I'm great. How are you? Mate, we're all good here on Izzy and Kimby for breakfast. First game back in New Zealand since January 2020. Is there a real buzz amongst the Kiwi boys, mate, um, to playing professional baseball back here at home? Yeah, man, everyone's excited to be back home and playing, and especially me because I, I haven't been home for two and a half years, but I haven't played here since I was 18, and I'm 25 now, so yeah, it's, mate. I'm, I'm really excited for it. Well, what are you loving about being home? The delicacies, mate. I'm sure you would have missed a nice mince and cheese pie or something like that. But just quickly, can you tell us about your experience with the White Sox? How was that? Oh, man, it was, it was a good year for me. I, I really enjoyed it. And signing out of independent baseball and got the call from my coach. He said, man, you're going to be with the White Sox this season. Congratulations, man. And first person I called was my, was my sister, and I was really excited. Yeah. Really excited to bring the good news back to her because all that hard work paid off. 
Yeah, went up there, mate, went through the universities, got your, got your shot at the big time, come back, bring a heap of experience, especially your batting. How's it, how's it shaping up for you guys this year, the Tuatara? It's been a thousand-odd days since you've been back in New Zealand. Um, you guys, you got a shot at the title this year? I think so. We've got a good, good, good group of guys, and the first season we had against Brisbane was just getting – everyone was just getting their feet wet, first, first serious games, and came back against Canberra and – Took the series. I think we got a good, good bunch of guys. Great hitters, good pitching. We just, we just got to compete every day. But we, we know how um, competitive, competitive we are as a, as a country in, in softball. You know, we've had some, some amazing softball players around the country that have gone on to do some big things. Is that why the transition into baseball has been so seamless? And, and do you feel like we've got some real talent un, uh, down under here that could? You know, um, can do big things on the big stage like yourself. Yeah, yeah, we got huge talent in, uh, in softball that can really translate to baseball, and that's where where I came from. So it was easy for me to transition because the game's similar. It was just smaller, ba- smaller ball and further bases. But I think Kiwi Kiwis are really talented at any sport we we get into, you know. And I think it's just easy for us to go all the way in any sport we can. We just gotta be committed to the grind. Yeah. Oh, geez. I wish it was played when I was uh, when I was growing up, Jason. I I played softball in the summer um, league in the winter and and used to watch baseball and um, so much fun. Look, you guys got Sydney Blue Sox yeah. this weekend. Uh, what's their biggest threat to the Tuatara? Um, I'm not really too. I'm not too sure about it. But looking at their past series, they. They're a bit in shambles right now, but hopefully the boys come out and we can hopefully sweep them, take all four series from them and just move on to the next games. Because I don't see any threat, but we'll we'll have to compete. I know that we'll have to compete every day, so we'll be ready. What about Toru Murata? He had a blind of a series. What's it like playing with him, mate? And, and the practice? Do you, do, you, do you send him? Do you send him packing a couple of times in training, mate? Is he brought a lot of experience in, to the group? Yeah, man. just being around those guys, a lot of experience, and then all these all these younger guys taking all the information they can, just rolling with it. So, you know. <laughs> hey, one more question before you before you go, Jace. That. Um, do you see do you see many Kiwis actually that will travel up to the states in the future that actually will make it in the big leagues? I think so. Like all us Kiwis that are over there now are opening the pathway for the younger generation, and that was that's been my goal since I've been playing baseball. I got to make it as far as I can, open as many doors as I can for all these younger generations to come through and be better than I was. You know, and hopefully that's what the future looks like. Well, good on you, Jace. You're doing some great things there for the Tuatara. All the best for your game this weekend. Go hard, go well, mate. Hit some home runs. Hit it out of the park, son. That's what I like to see. And um, yeah, mate. Well, I've actually been invited out there to watch a couple of games, so I'll come down and say hello for you. That's uh, Jason Matthews joining us this morning as he can be for breakfast. Thanks. Go well, Jace. See you, brother. Thank you. New Zealand's summer of cricket has been a wet one so far and unfortunately a losing one also as the rain hit. The T20 series against India was completed last night with a tie, leaving India victorious in the series 1-0.
The Williamson-less Black Caps managed to post 160 before a downpour halted the India Indian chase at 75 for four, putting a stake in the series then and there. It probably these more questions than answers for Gary Stead's men heading into the ODI series about where the white ball side is at. And then to answer some of those questions, we welcome in one news cricket reporter, Guy Dvelt. Morning, Guy. How you doing, brother? Morning. Morning, Izzy. Morning, boys. Very well, thank you. Good to be on. Oh, surely you've got something to break today, mate. You're the man that knows it all. I love it. I gave you a little shout-out earlier on, and Louis said, don't do that. He thinks he breaks everything. And I said, what? Surely you've got something. <laughs> Uh, no, nothing great. You've actually got me on a day off. I'm, uh, I'm uh, quite up bright and early for you boys to talk to you nice and early. Look, uh, no, no, nothing, nothing massive to tell you. I, I just, um, I think, and I've said it a few times now, and I think we're starting to get the evidence of it. This Black Caps team is about to go through a bit of a lull. I think over the next mm. um, few years, uh, losing Trent Bolt um, kind of yeah. permanently. Um, you know, after the next World Cup, probably Tim Saudi as well. Uh, they've dropped Martin Guptill, which I'm sure we'll talk about shortly. Um, you know, I just feel like, obviously, Ross Taylor's retired. There's just a lot of change going on in that team, and I'm not sure the players coming through are as good as the ones that they've had. So I think we're just starting to see a sign that this Black Caps team might not be going through as good a patch as it has been for a few years. Yeah, I think everyone's on the same page there, guys. Kempe here. Morning. Hey, um, Glenn Phillips batting in the right spot. Do you think in the lineup? Yeah, I don't mind where Glenn Phillips is batting. Um, look, my problem kind of stems from uh, a little bit of the top of the order that they put all their all their eggs in the Finn Allen basket, which is, you know, I, I don't think it's the right move. Uh, I've said it a few times. The guy mm. is the future. I'm just not sure the future is here at the moment. Uh, he has batted, I think it's 25 innings, 24 or 25 T20 innings now in his uh, international career. He has batted through power play four times. And I know his strike rate's good, and I know he can score a quick 20 off however many balls, but if you're all of a sudden one down in the second over, um, you know, it, it's, it's suddenly putting a bit of pressure on the rest of the team. And I feel like that's why, to an extent, why Kane Williamson has come in and batted the way he has. Because not only are they one yeah. down, he also knows the batting below that is not that solid. I mean, you look at guys like... Mm. Yeah, Jimmy Neesham, and, and, you know, I'm putting Glenn Phillips and, and Devin Conway and those guys aside here because I think they are very, very good players and we can get some consistent scores out of them. But I'm looking at people like um, Jimmy Neesham, you know, fairly hot and cold with the bat. Daryl Mitchell recently, anyway, fairly hot and cold with the bat. The tail, the tail starts, I would probably say, from Mitchell Santner, and if not Mitchell Santner, then from Adam Milne. Milne was batting eight yesterday. Eight. That is way too high for Adam Milne. That leaves a massive tail. And so for me, I know Kane Williamson is copping a lot of heat, but I don't actually mm. think a lot of it is, is, is fear. I think he's he is the smartest cricketing brain we've got in New Zealand. And if he has to feel like he has to bat at a run of ball to bat some overs in T20 cricket, then I, I think he's probably doing the right thing. So I think there are bigger problems than, than just Kane Williamson's batting, and I think it stems from a few other issues. Can the selectors do a major U-turn here with what they've gone and done? Or do you feel like the guppy boat has sailed? Um, it's a very good question. I would like to say yes, but I think the answer to that is no. Um, I think they are firmly in the Finn Allen camp. I think they see him as their guy to lead them to the T20 World Cup. Gary Stead 
uh, despite the fact that, that Finn Allen is, uh, hasn't been able to bat through many power plays, Gary Stead seems to like the fact that he can score, you know, maybe 20 or 30 off, say, 10 balls, 10 or 15 balls. And, you know, that, that is nice on occasion, but then, as I just said before, yeah. it opens the rest of the batting order up to potentially falling apart, which we saw in massive style last night. I think they lost 7 for 14, uh, going from mm. 143 for 146 for 3 being all out for 160. They didn't even bat out their overs. They're absolutely unfathomable. Um, so to answer your question, look, I, I think I would like to see Martin Guptill back. I think, um, you know, they've lost so much experience in the last year or so, and they're about to lose even more experience probably after this World Cup. Uh, I would like to see Martin Guptill there. I think they need as much experience as they can get, particularly in a World Cup in the subcontinent. Um, and I'm just not sure that Finn Allen is quite the finished product and quite the guy that is going to lead them to a World Cup. I think they put enormous pressure on him as well, uh, told him that he is essentially setting up their innings, um, and for a guy who's, what, 23, I think he is, uh, that, that's, that's a lot to put on a player in very early in his career. <laughs> so I would like to see a change. I don't think it's going to happen, though. Yeah, especially when it starts all going wrong. Um, guy, you're making a good point. It heaps a lot of pressure on the guy. Hey, very quickly, how about this? Australia, Harry France. Suter, the base of the centre circle, plays a long diagonal ball out to Leckie on the right flank. And a good touch as well. Pavard hit the ground. The cross comes in. Goodwin! Craig Goodwin has the opener. What? Yeah. Australia have just gone up one zip over France in the 10th minute. Craig Goodwin has absolutely rocketed one to the top of the net. Uh, I knew you'd want to hear that guy because you are the breaking news guy. And I'd just like to say, Izzy, he's high volume tweet. He's a high volume tweeter. I don't know how much of it's quality. Oh, zero of its quality, mate. Absolutely zero of it. I I don't know why people engage. I appreciate them, guy. I appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks, Izzy. Uh, just on the World Cup, I mean, how good is it? Saudi Arabia beating Argentina last night. Australia obviously won the love against us. I'm not a massive football guy, but I'm about to go and park myself in front of the TV and watch a bit of it. Glorious. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been good. It's been go- uh, good, guy. Let's get back to the cricket, though, because that's why you're on. You're the cricket man. Hey, um, <laughs> the criticism of Kane soaking up deliveries isn't new to T20. Um, but is it on the money? And how do you think he feels he needs to... Um, Get out there and play. Is he, mate? Have we see? Are we seeing the end of Kane Williamson? Well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm. I don't think Kane Williamson should be in the T20 team, but not because he's he's not a good T20 player. I don't think Kane Williamson should be in the T20 team because I think his, as we all know, his elbow is starting to kind of uh, fade on yep. him a little bit. I think he's more important to the Black Caps Test team. I'd like to see him not wrapped in cotton wool as such, but I don't think he's. I don't think he's paramount to the T20 team. In saying that, if Kane Williamson wants to play T20 cricket, I'd have him in my T20 team. I, I think, um, as I just outlined before, I, I think he's copping a lot of criticism for um, yeah. his, his, the way that he's playing in terms of the run of ball innings and that sort of thing, when the problems are actually a lot deeper than that. Um, he feels like he has to play those innings. And as I said before, he's the smartest cricketing brain we've got in New Zealand. And if Kane Williamson feels like he cannot afford to get out because then it opens up a lot of um, a lot of problems for the lower middle order. Uh, then I think Kane Williamson's probably bang on the money. Um, you know, we saw it collapse last night. If Kane Williamson had have got out very early in the innings that he played in the T20 World Cup, New Zealand would have got nowhere near the semi-finals. That is how kind of brittle that middle to lower order is, and I think it was kind of it's it's at times paramount that Williamson plays the way he does. 
is it good for is it does it help New Zealand? No, it doesn't. Um, but I don't think it's Kane Williamson's fault. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Totally focus on on one format, maybe two, but potentially pushing your body when you've been around for a very long time to do all formats. It's just a no brainer. No, Brad, I just want to get your take, um, Guy, on the situation with the cricketing contracts uh, for New Zealand cricket and what's unfolded with Trent Bolt. you got Jimmy Neesham turn their backs, and we're probably going to get a, a few more going forward. Is this a worrying sign for, for New Zealand cricket? Should they be worried with players turning their back on, on the centralised contracts that New Zealand offers? It's a great question, Izzy. Uh, I think to an extent, yeah, yeah they should be. Mm. Um, um you know, they're so it's just it's a little bit like the rugby situation at the moment. You know, over in Japan and, mm. and, and then in the UK as well, and in Europe, uh, there's just more money to be offered in the likes of the IPL and um, you know other T20 leagues around the world. Where someone like Trent Bolt in the in the latter stages of his career, look, he would still walk into any, uh, I would think, yeah. uh, most T20 uh, most Black Cats teams. Um, you know, but the money over there in, in the latter stages of your career is just too much to give up. Um, so I, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, like you say, I wouldn't be surprised if we see this more. Um, and mm. I think there would be an element of concern inside New Zealand cricket that, that this might take away a few more of their players, maybe even at a younger age or, or at a lesser stage of their, of their careers than, say, a Trent Bolt or something like that. So certainly one to watch. I don't think it'll be as bad as the rugby situation, uh, but I do feel like there might be some players just think, you know what, I can set myself up for life playing T20 cricket around the world. Why shouldn't I do that or why don't I do that instead of playing the odd, uh, the odd international here and there? So, yeah, there might be some doing it. I don't think it'll be a, I don't think it'll be a, um, a mass exodus, uh, but we might mm. see a couple here or there down the track, absolutely. Well, I heard a wee something the other day about the IPL situation. The NZR, uh, the NZC, get a little bit of a kickback if their players go and play the IPL. So, it's not all doom and gloom, but it just it's it's probably a little bit worrying for New Zealand cricket. Just quickly, mate, before we let you go, we spoke to Mike Brown earlier, and I said, well, if anyone knows anything, it's Guy Vout. You're obviously the man of cricket, but surely you got your nose over there in the UK with Razor Ray, Scotty Robinson. What's your take, mate? You think he can coach England? Jeez, you're pumping me up a lot, is he, today? Uh, I, look, I, I, I'm not sure I can deliver with this. I, I don't have any oil. I have a very strong opinion. Um, I, I think if Scott Robertson was to be let go anywhere, particularly to England, but if Scott Robertson was to be let go anywhere and was not the next coach of the All Blacks, it would be, frankly, a national disgrace, and it would be the worst thing that New Zealand rugby has ever done. And I, I, I'm not joking when I say that. It would be the worst thing New Zealand rugby has ever done. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I, I don't know if you guys read Gregor Paul's. I'll be very quick. I don't know if you guys read Gregor Paul's piece the other day in the Herald about um, why Razor essentially missed out on the job or why, why he might miss out on the job. And it seems, from what Gregor was saying anyway, it seems that, that elements of New Zealand rugby, uh, people, elements of people, some people inside New Zealand rugby, feel like Razor's approach is a bit too left field for them and a bit too out there and he's a bit too oh, rogue in some of the ways that he approaches the media. Well, Style. I mean, if, that, if that's, yeah, exactly, <laughs> if, if that's why they don't want him to be the coach, well, those people shouldn't be in New Zealand rugby because we're all going to get so out. Much. Honestly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at the Black Ferns, for goodness sake. You had so much fun yeah. with that team, and that's why the public largely, I think, got behind them. And now you've got someone who is fun, but also an absolutely brilliant coach, and you're, and you're okay to let go of them. 
Give me a break. Good luck to them if they do that. Yeah, have a spell. No, well said, Havel. Very well said. I think just I'm I'm just reading between the lines here, but I'm pretty sure the reason is he's got you in so high regards at the moment is because Hayden Wild came on the show and he said this. Uh, we get people that ask you, you know, intermittently. They text the show and they say, hey, boys, any update? So, oh, dude, you know who's that? The biggest pest about that. <laughs> who's that? I'm a great mate with him now, but I'm going to put him straight on the spot is Guy Havoltz. Straight up, <laughs> that guy. Nearly every every single time, he's like, "Mate, fizzing about this weekend. You're free for a yarn to some time uh, ahead of the final." Also, what's happening with the appeal? You heard anything from the? Oh, I've heard. Hey, pissed. That is that is absolutely gone. Look, he's not wrong. I was I was absolutely hammering him to try and tell me what was going on with that appeal. He did very well to keep it to keep it under wraps. Um, uh, look, uh, yeah, what a dude, what a man. I uh, hope he goes very well at the World Championships this weekend, Hayden Wild, he deserves it. Uh, look, very, I, I don't know how long you want me to be on that, but I was there, and, um, and this is the reason why I'm so hot on it. I was there, fortunate enough to be there in Birmingham, uh, right there when Hayden Wild crossed the line. Uh, he was shafted out of a potential gold medal. I'm not going to say he was going to win gold, but he was shafted out of a potential gold medal in that race. He did, you know. He, I don't think he unclipped his helmet, but you cannot, you cannot tell me. And World Triathlon has come back with this appeal and said essentially that there wasn't enough evidence in in their slow motion replays or in their stills or whatever to prove that um, he didn't unclip his helmet before he got off the bike um, or before he got into transition. Rather, well, you know, if, if they can't, if they can't back up their officials' word through ultra slow motion and through stills and that sort of thing, how on earth can they say at full pace with one chance to see it that their official on the ground was correct? I think it was a, yeah. I think it was appalling, and it absolutely robbed us. It robbed Hayden Wild. It even robbed Alex Yee of, of a fair race. It robbed Alex Yee that has to stand on the podium without any questions being asked. I'm not saying Hayden Wild would have beaten Alex Yee because they both looked very strong. I don't know what the outcome of the race would have been. Uh, mm. But man, oh man, that that I think I think that's just a, a terrible decision from from World Triathlon, and I was pretty disappointed by that. That's a horrible rule. Unbuckling your yeah. bloody well, helmet! Yeah. Wow, <laughs> what a poor yeah. rule that is to to even um, decide a, a medal race, mate. Oh, well, we can't even believe we're talking about yeah. that situation. It's crazy. It's crazy. But as I say, he seems to have moved on. Uh, he was in good form. I spoke to him the other day, so. Uh, He's in Abu Dhabi this weekend for the World Championships, and hopefully, hopefully, I'd love to see him get it done. It'd be fantastic. Well, what, you go, you go, pissed Liam Lawson or some other young gun, mate. We'll let you crack on with your day. <laughs> Keep oh, pissed, that wouldn't him, be bud. a bad one, pissed, fellas, because he'll be in F one soon. So I'd, I'd, I'd better start doing that. <laughs> Good work, mate. Hey, I appreciate your time, guy. Thanks so much for your talk on cricket and yeah, all, all the pissing that you're about to do. Appreciate it, mate. Take care. Have a good day. <laughs> good on you boys talk soon anytime <laughs> he is a pissed oh he's a good man he's a good, he's a good man mate you're all, we're all pissed of course you're we are. pissed and guest I'm pissed and guest <laughs> Kempi's pissed and guest oh, we're Kempi, all pissed. That's, this, pissed that's what this industry is <laughs> 100% he, um, he knows how it's played uh, and interesting thoughts there around like where New Zealand cricket's heading Kempi and you said we seem like we're all on the same page but it just you get this feeling like the golden generation, we're just in a transition period, and almost like the All Blacks are going through it. Yeah, they're going for it. Yeah. Izzy's generation to this generation mm. just can't always be the best. 
Pats. Yeah, no. uh, look, I think there's I think there's some major um, issues coming up for New Zealand cricket. I, I just can't see this um, one shoe fits all. This this you know you you do it this way with today's attitude. You know, like this is so different. You know, that's a great the great thing about Mike talking about Razor is that he's saying he understands the player. Man, if you don't understand the player, and guy guy hit the nail on the head there. He said, "Have a look at the woman." You know what I mean? Mm. Look how they look how they address the World Cup, and look how well Wayne Smith adapted. It wasn't about how they. That's how they just look acting normal. The, the woman, but Wayne Smith adapted, and uh, I think and I, I think Razor's uh, he's gone for sure. And I tell you what, that that situation would have made it an awkward boardroom at NZR. I promise you, they did not expect that, and they're like, oh, my gosh, this has opened an absolute can here. What are we going to do? Honestly, they did not expect that, and they will be going, wow. It was a, it was an awkward situation that Mark Robinson, you see him out in the field, he's like, oh, yes, like, oh, what have we done here? This is, oh, no, this is going to cost us. Yep. <laughs> it is, and yeah. some of you need to move on. Mate, you, do you know what? The word you use, awkward's it's right. I know what you mean, is it? And it's not that they're... It's not that they, uh, it's not saying that they didn't want the result or anything like that, but it is. It's kind of created an awkward temperature in the room where half mm. of it is going this way and the room is warming up, but there's still a very cold ice block in the corner and it's yeah. melting slowly. It's very awkward. I know exactly what you're saying. There's Some t- people you just can't move. You know that's that's why that that FIFA um, documentary is so interesting because when you look at it in in, in your own situation, you go, you just can't move people. Like it's, yeah. it's but no one's got more power than the team, Kempi, and that's what I hate. And there's just something like that and that is going on. Now, Russi Erasmus is in the middle of serving a two-match ban from match day activity after a, a social media... Um, I don't think it's an outburst. It's because it's tactical and completely contrived. Ta- a social media philosophy that allows him to criticise referees heavily of what he thinks are contradictions in the sport of rugby, which we know rugby is absolutely full of. Um, he has dominated press conferences. John Schmidt, as Izzy alluded to in the first hour of the show, has come out and criticised him. His players and the people inside the Springboks camp um, seem to just give him adoration and they really enjoy it, which has led to many thinking the Springboks camp currently is nothing but siege mentality. That's their... Spirit of their camp, everyone is against us, including World Rugby and the referees. And Izzy, you called him a cooked human in the first hour of the show. Well, it, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was early. It was early on, really. Um, but, mate, look, look, it's just a, a horrible situation. Like, he's trying to backtrack from his um, his recent tweets about referees because they were getting a ton of abuse. But for me, I just get a sense, like, Rassi Erasmus, when he took South Africa to the World Cup glory and what he was about. He, he was a different coach now. I think at the moment he's got kind of full of himself a, a little bit, if that makes sense. Like he's, it's all about Rassi at the moment. Rassi Arasmus is the spring box. He's sitting up top and he is bigger than the team. And I think it's having a, a huge impact on, on South Africa at the moment. And, and like what they're about, their beliefs, and fellow players are starting to lose interest, are losing the faith of world rugby, and potentially because of the criticism that they are uh, that he's providing, uh, giving to the refs, is having a huge impact on on the South African team when they're playing on the field. And if I'm going to be completely, it's, it's cost some matches. It has cost some matches, and, and this is the Rassi Erasmus 
uh, situation. This isn't the first time he's been banned. He got twelve it's months. It's not a good look. Yeah, yeah, he's got a, a twelve-month ban. Like this is a horrible look for South African rugby, the current world champs, and they are struggling. They have won what one game in the last six or seven. Like that, they've lost a ton of rugby this year, and it hasn't been good making. I just generally think it's time for Rusty to to move aside. I actually generally think it's time for Rusty to step aside and let South African rugby recover without Rusty. But you said it. The players are starting to believe it. And I haven't been in coach by them. They've been on the inside. But what we see is quite bizarre, I reckon. It's it's reflective of when you're sitting in those seats uh, of the organisation and the people that are represented within that organisation. If you've got someone in that position that goes around and creates that type of um, chatter it actually sits really poorly across the values of the whole of the whole organisation, mate. And he needs to go. Like you can't do that, you know. When you've got, and I'll tell you, the I'll tell you, World Rugby need to step up to the plate. Like stop pussyfooting around with a bloke that's actually challenging the most important part, the integral part of the game, which is the referees. Because without the referees, then we wouldn't have a game. Now you've got referees deciding not to go and want to referee South Africa. World Rugby sort your sort your stuff out. But Kimpy, just to play devil's advocate here, don't World Rugby need to sort their referees out and their actual game out? Because if they actually yep. if they fix the the problem. Here is Russi, but that's the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. The actual problem with rugby at the moment is what we saw with Matthew Reynal in the All Blacks mm. game in the weekend, what we see, the inconsistencies across the game, which is then leading to this sort of behaviour on social media, is he? Don't get me wrong. Like The referees need to have a review. Have their review. Have their review be reviewed. I've been saying that for years because when we play poorly, we get reviewed and we get spoken about, you know, in different avenues. Um, so I, I 100% agree they need to be reviewed and there's a lot of work that needs to go into these arrests. But it's just the way that he goes about it. Like, who creates a video and sits in front of it in his throne and just absolutely <laughs> tees off and then puts it out there for, for the public to, to have their own comments? It's probably not – it's the way that he goes about it that I just can't understand. And, and and it's just like the aura that he gives off. It's starting to to waver now. And, and I reckon, yeah, it's, it's getting old. So he's rubbing everybody else the wrong way. But the reason I said siege mentality is how they're taking it inside the Springbok camp because this is the quote. Oh, they'll be loving it. This is the quote from Ninabar, the actual coach. We can't control mm. narratives of other people's opinions about us. Whatever people think about us, they will think about us. We know what happens inside and how we are as tight as we are as a group. In terms of Russie's ban, we focus on rugby, and I guess there will be a lot of questions about the ban as a coach. I don't want to go into those things. I'll focus on rugby more. Sometimes it's disappointing when there are only certain facts that go out to the people from outside. Obviously, only have those facts and available so they can form an opinion on something that has happened. And obviously, they don't know all the facts. It's quite sad if you think about it. The facts are out <laughs> There, people would have a different opinion. They've fully gone siege mentality, Kippy. <laughs> well, I'll tell, tell you what, I, I look, I hear what you're saying about the referees, but that's going to always be an issue that they're going to have to yeah. work through. You don't go and take the the ball and put it in your own court and then decide that your executioner, um, which Ras is done, and he needs to be held accountable for it. You can't see mm. if they don't deal with him, then anyone could, can do it, and then it becomes mm. a like you see the, the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, it becomes a massive issue. So they've banned him for 12 months previously. He's been stood down for two games. What he's done this time is less severe than that hour-long rant he did last time. But 
I don't know where you go, how you, Izzy, you said it's time to move on from him. That would mean, he's the director of rugby, so that would mean that South African Rugby Board would have to move him on. Um, World Rugby, do it. what can they do? I don't know what's available to them unless he, unless he does something that is. Mate, any coach will tell you, if that guy was doing that and you were coaching the team, all right, and it was affecting the way that they were refereeing your side, you would want him out, way gone. So I don't know if if he's that good at convincing his coach that he's doing the right thing. You're dead right. They've all got rocks in their heads. Well, we only know half the facts. <laughs> That's quite sad. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.